Heavenly Father, it is such a privilege for us to come together with brothers and sisters in the Lord Jesus Christ and to hear the voice of our Heavenly Father, to know that you are there, you love us, and you are not silent toward us, but you speak the eternal, the wise, the loving, the gracious, the holy, just God speaks to his children. Lord, we pray that you may help us to understand your word as we read it together now. Lord, we pray that you may particularly give me wisdom and insight into your word now. And we pray that what I speak may not be something that you would be ashamed of, that you would be displeased with, but instead that you would be pleased with everything I say here this morning. Keep my lips from error and may I only speak the truth. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Are you an enthusiast for anything? Is there something in your life that you're enthusiastic about above all else? Some sort of hobby that you eat and sleep thinking about all the time. As a child, I went through different phases of things that I was crazy about, that I was enthusiastic about. I uh, tried stamps because everybody in the house uh, was interested in stamps and my sisters collected stamps and my father had a history of collecting stamps when he was a child and so I collected these pretty little bits of paper for a while, spent my pocket money on expensive stamps and then I started to realise that they're just pretty little bits of paper and they're not all that fun once you actually have them. You can sit there and look at them and that's about all you can do with them because you aren't allowed to touch them, you aren't allowed to lick them and actually put them on something because that um, devalues them. And so I gave up on that, but the thing that really attracted me as a kid that I became completely enthusiastic for was budgerigars, birds. I actually had an aviary, I had lots of budgerigars, I bred them, I cared for them, I read books about them and I even slept, when I was sleeping, I would dream about budgerigars. I would dream about having a budgerigar at a show that would win the first prize because of the condition that it was in. I was an enthusiast for budgerigars. What are you an enthusiast for? What should you be an enthusiast for? Particularly as a Christian. What should you be eating, sleeping, dreaming about as a Christian? Well, in this passage we're going to look at in 1 Peter chapter 3, we're told what we should be enthusiasts for. We've been away in Ezra and now we've come back to where I left off last time I was in 1 Peter, 1 Peter chapter 3, and we're up to verse 13. And here in verse 13, Peter tells us what we should be enthusiasts for, what we should be zealots for. The original word in the Greek is zealot, uh, someone who is zealous for something. What should we be eager to fix our minds on, to sleep about and dream about and do all the time? Well, that's in verse 13 of 1 Peter chapter 3. We're told, Who is going to harm you if you are eager, zealous, to do good? And so my first main point this morning is that you should be eager to do good. The thing that you should be an enthusiast for is doing good. That's what Peter has told us to do. That's what we should be known for as zealous for, that we are zealots for doing good. But what does it mean to be good? We're told to be an enthusiast, uh, eager to do good here. What does it mean to do good? 
Well, firstly, we need to be good toward God. How do we, how are we eager to do good before God? Well, we have to do what he has told us to do. And one of the first things we need to do if we're wanting to be good and eager to do good toward God is to repent of our sinfulness. The first thing you need to do if you want to do good to God is to acknowledge that you're a sinner, that you have done the wrong thing, and that you repent of doing that. You're sorry about it and you want to change your ways. You want to do what is right instead of doing what is wrong. And the thing that you also need to do is believe that Jesus Christ died for you. Believe there is a God. Believe that he sent his son who is also God. And believe that that son went to the cross and took the punishment for you, for your sins, the punishment that you deserve. He took that at the cross. Those are the first two things you must do if you want to be eager to do good, an enthusiast to do good to God. You must repent of your sins and believe that Jesus Christ died for you. And is that where you leave it then? You've done your good toward God? No, then you want to worship God. You want to worship this God who has loved you so much that he sent his son to die for you. And you worship him by coming to church, to being with brothers and sisters in Christ, to honouring God, to singing praise to him, to hearing from his word, to praying to him with other people. So you worship him corporately. And you should also be worshipping God privately. You should be reading his word privately. You should be praying to him. That's what it means to be eager to do good to God. He should be the focal point of your life. And you should be worshipping not just corporately, not just publicly with other people, but also in private if you're an enthusiast to do good to God. How else are you an enthusiast to do good? Well, you should be an enthusiast to do good to those people around you, to your fellow humans on this planet. Now, that also is worship to God. God takes it very seriously how we act toward those people around us. And if we act properly, then he considers that worship. Just living your life, being a good person to those around you, is an act of worship to God. How are you meant to do good to those around you? Well, you don't hurt them is a good start. You don't murder them. You don't hate them. You don't steal from them. You don't lie to them. You, are, you don't hurt them in any way. That is how you are an enthusiast to do good to those people around you. But you shouldn't just consider that if I don't hurt people around me, that I am an enthusiast to do good. It should also be that you're actively doing good to those people as well. Because it's very easy not to do uh, harm to others. If you just withdraw yourself from society, you pretty much are not going to hurt anyone. If you go live in a cave in the mountains somewhere or out in the forest, yeah, you kind of tick that box. I've done good to people by not hurting them. But no, that's not what the Bible teaches. Yes, it says don't murder, don't steal, don't hurt those around you. But it also tells you to be a good person toward them by actively doing things that are nice to them. So it means that you are generous toward them. You are kind towards those people at work. You soothe over quarrels as a peacemaker. You're ready to try and reconcile people to one another. Not because it's something that will benefit you, but because it benefits them. You want to help them in whatever way you can. And you're patient toward them. They may have wronged you, but you're patient with them and you're forgiving of them. You're actively seeking to do good to them, not just simply not harming them. You want to help them in whatever way you can. 
That's what it is, to be an enthusiast to do good, to be someone who loves, who is eager to do good to, the, to God and toward those people around you. Now, of course, that sounds like hard work. We are not inclined to do good. We are not eager to do good to those around us. That's why Peter is talking about it here, because it's not something that comes naturally to us. We are sinful creatures, and so we are not naturally eager to do good. So why should we be eager to do good? Well, Peter gives us a couple of reasons in the text, and that's what I want to spend the rest of the sermon looking at, is reasons why we should be good. And the first is given to us in the form of a question in verse 13. He says, Peter, who is going to harm you if you are eager to do good? And so the first reason, which is my second main point this morning, is be eager to do good because no one will harm you. The answer to that question there is an obvious no. He doesn't actually say it, but that's what he's getting at. He's saying, who is going to harm you if you are eager to do good? If you're an enthusiast for good, people aren't going to hurt you. Firstly, God's not going to harm you. If you are eager to do good to him, then he is going to look after you. He is not going to harm you. You're one of his children if you've repented and believed in his son. And so he is not going to hurt you. He should. You've sinned against him. You've uh, committed all kinds of atrocities and evil against him. And so you should be punished for an eternity in hell for what you've done. But if you repent of your sins, believe in Jesus Christ, and then actively do good, God's not going to harm you. That question there includes God. Who is going to harm you if you are eager to do good? God isn't. You're one of his children. But the reverse is true. If you're not eager to do good, if you don't repent of your sins and believe that Jesus died for you and actively worship God, then someone is going to harm you. God is going to harm you. He will punish you for rejecting him, for having you as Lord of your life rather than him. And you'll be punished for an eternity in hell. Consider what that means. Eternity goes on and on forever. There is no relief. There is no recess where... God calls a break and you can experience a little bit of heaven in hell for a time and then you go back to being punished. It goes on and on for eternity. If you are not someone who has repented of your sins and believed in Jesus Christ's death for you, if you have never been eager to do good for God toward him, then I encourage you to do that now. Heed the warning here. Who is going to harm you if you are eager to do good? Take the reverse of that and consider that God is going to harm you. It will be very, very painful for you if you do not repent of your sins and believe in Jesus' death for you. Be eager to do good in that way. But also, who's going to harm you in this world? That's what he's saying here. He's not just saying God. He's saying who is going to harm you if you are eager to do good? If you are eager to to do good... No one will harm you. That includes the people around you. Thankfully, God has shown his common grace in the hearts of those around us who are not believers in the Lord Jesus Christ. And generally speaking, governments will not harm you if you keep God's law and do what is right. If you don't murder, you don't steal, you don't lie, you don't defame others, the government will leave you alone. 
They won't hurt you. They won't put you in prison. They won't put you to death if you do the right thing. They won't harm you. And also, not just the government won't harm you, but the general population won't hurt you if you are eager to do good as well. There are many things that we do as Christians that uh, the government's not going to reward you for, but the general population will reward you for if you do those things. If you are a kind, compassionate, forgiving, patient person at work, people aren't going to hurt you. If your friends know that you're a lovely person and always eager to do the right thing, they're generally not going to hurt you. Instead, they will protect you and look after you and be kind in response to your kindness toward them. So, that's a very good reason that Peter gives us for doing good. No one will hurt you if you are eager to do good. It's hard work, but there are payoffs, there are benefits. And one of the big benefits is that you'll, generally speaking, have a longer, happier life if you are eager to do good. But you may be thinking, I don't always see that happen. I do good and I still get hurt. And Peter anticipates this with his next reason for why, to be eager, why you should be eager to do good. And that's in verse 14. Verse 14 of 1 Peter chapter 3, page 1202, 1202 of the Black Church Bibles. Verse 14 reads, But even if you should suffer for what is right, you are blessed. And so that's my third main point this morning, is be eager to do good, because if you are harmed, you are blessed. Sometimes good people suffer. It's a reality we face in this world. Why would people want to hurt those who are eager to do good? Well, there can be many different reasons. One is that they may be jealous of you. They always see you doing the right thing and they're just annoyed at how eager you are to do good. And so they want to stick it to you. They want to make you suffer because you're always so eager to do good. And that often is because they are showing up in their own lives. They recognise how not like you they are, how uneager they are not eager at all to do good and they see you are eager and they just don't like it and they want to make you suffer for it. And sometimes it's not because they actually know you and that you are eager to do good, it's simply sin in this world that we live in an evil world with evil people around us and we can do the right thing and we get hurt for doing the right thing. There is a general rule that, generally speaking, you will be blessed, uh, you will be not harmed, but if you do the right thing, sometimes you will be hurt, hurt quite badly for doing what is right. But, Peter says, even in spite of being hurt for doing good, what does he say, verse 14? You are blessed. What does it mean to be blessed? means to be happy, to have God give good things to you. And that happens. If you suffer for doing what is right, God still blesses you. The people around you may not be blessing you, but God is blessing you. He'll bless you in this life. He will give you different pleasures as you suffer through that pain. He can often bless you in greater ways than you had before. You see that with Job. He loses in the Old Testament so much. 
And then at the end of the um, at the end of the book of Job, you see that he is blessed even more than he had before. God can bless you in this life for what you've done in suffering for doing what is right. And he blesses you in the next life. Every time you suffer for doing what is right here, then he keeps a record of that. And he will make sure you're rewarded in heaven for doing the right thing despite being hurt for it. So you are blessed. That's a very strong motivation for you to do the right thing. If you are eager to do good, generally speaking, people will not harm you. And then even if they do harm you, God blesses you. God will make sure that you are blessed. Any other reasons that he gives in the text, that Peter gives us in the text? He's given us one reason, is that people won't harm you. Second reason is you're blessed even if people harm you. The third reason, which is my fourth main point this morning, is that we should be eager to do good because you are not afraid of humans. Now this really follows on from what he's just been saying. And if you agree with the previous point, that you are blessed in spite of people hurting you, then that means that you should embrace what is said in the rest of verse 14. What does he say? In verse 14 he says, But even if you, are, you should suffer for what is right, you are blessed. And then he says, Do not fear what they fear. Do not be frightened. If you are eager to do good, God says, Peter says here, Do not be afraid. Do not be afraid of what? Well, there's two ways of translating this text, and the NIV has given us both translations. One's in the text and then one's in the margin. One is that it's do not fear what they fear, as in the people that are attacking you don't fear what they're afraid of, other people attacking them. Or it can be also translated, do not fear them. And that's given to us in the margin. Uh, If you follow down, you see it, well, go to verse 14, you see at the end of verse uh, 14, you see uh, the little letter B. Uh, halfway through verse 14. Do not fear what they fear, then the little letter B. Follow that down to the margin, verse 14. It says, or not fear their threats. So don't be afraid of them. So you can either not fear what they fear, or not be afraid of them. And I think probably the second translation is a better one uh, for the context of what's going on here, that it's not being afraid of them. In other words, don't be afraid of people who hurt you for doing the right thing. Fear of man, fear of other people is the greatest hindrance to doing good. To doing good toward God, to doing good toward our fellow man. It's an old, old problem. And we know it's an old, old problem from this text because what he said here in verse 14 is actually a quote from Isaiah. If you look down into the margin, you actually see the NIV translators have given us a helpful little note there that it's from Isaiah chapter 8, verse 12, which we just read earlier. This quote here, do not fear what they fear, do not be frightened, was a problem for the people in Israel. Particularly in that context in Isaiah, they were afraid, the Israelites were afraid of the Assyrian army that was coming. They knew the Assyrians were coming, that they were going to attack them. And they knew that Assyrians were very cruel people, very cruel to the people that they then conquered. And so the Israelites were scared. They were very scared of what was going to happen to them when the Assyrians arrived at their doorstep. 
It is an old problem to be afraid of what people can do to you. And when you're afraid of others, that's when you're not eager to do good. And you see that with the Israelites. As they experience trouble again and again, as armies come, what do they do? They worship other gods. They think that if they worship another god, if they're not eager to do good toward God and they're eager to do good to other gods, then they will be safe. And so as they fear man, they go astray. They hurt one another and they hurt God because they're afraid of man. They're afraid of humans. And so they're not eager to do good as God defines good because of their fear of man. And this is the same for us today. Again and again in your life, you will do the wrong thing. You will not be eager to do good because of your fear of man, because of your fear of other people hurting you for doing the right thing. If you speak the truth at work, you might be hurt, and so you're afraid, and you won't speak up and say what is true. You won't report what your colleagues are doing to your boss because you're afraid of what your colleagues might do to you. Again and again in your life, you will be afraid of man and that will stop you from being eager to do good. But God says, don't be afraid. He says, do not fear what they fear or do not fear them. Do not fear their threats. Do not be frightened, he says. Why? Because he's just told you why. You are blessed. If you do the right thing, God who sees all things will make sure that if you do the right thing at work and you're truthful, honest and a good person there, despite what your boss may do to you, despite what your colleagues may do to you, you will be blessed. And so you don't need to be afraid of them because you know you will always come out on top. may not be very fun for you in the workplace may not be very fun for you around your friends if you're always honest and eager to do good. But in the end, you will come out on top. You don't need to be afraid of what they might do to you if you are eager to do good. This is a wonderful part of being a Christian, that you know that whatever happens, whatever anyone does to you, you don't have anything to be scared of. I used to always think of this when I um, watch horror movies. I used to watch a lot of horror It was one of my favourite movie genres. Uh, Then I got married and Jill confronted me on it as a Christian, should I be watching all this horror? And so I don't do it anymore. Uh, Every so often I have this pain to watch it, but Jill holds me accountable and says, no, you know you're not supposed to. And I say, good, thank you, Jill. But when I used to watch them, I was a Christian at the time, um, maybe a bit of an inconsistent Christian in enjoying such movies, but... As I would see a particular situation and I would put myself in that person's shoes and they're being attacked in terrible ways, I think, what would I do in that situation? And what they generally do is run screaming or get caught in some way. In that situation, what would I do? I would cower on the floor and start praying because no matter what happens, the person with the chainsaw that's coming to get me, I will be safe. I will be blessed. I will, be, I will go straight to heaven if they get me with that chainsaw. And so I am not afraid. It doesn't matter how horrific a situation you are in. You have nothing to be afraid of. Because you are blessed. God will make sure that you are repaid abundantly in the next life. 
for suffering harm, for being harmed, for doing what is right. So you don't need to be afraid. Is the third reason, but my fourth main point, about why you should be eager to do good. One last reason. So any other reason that he gives us in this text as to why we should be eager to do good? Yes. It's my fifth main point this morning. Be eager to do good because you set apart Christ as Lord. And that's given to us in verse 15, half of verse 15. Verse 15 says, But in your hearts set apart Christ as Lord. But in your hearts set apart Christ as Lord. What does it mean to set apart Christ? Well, the word set apart there is a translation of the word for holiness, for sanctifying something. So, just as we pray in the Lord's Prayer, hallowed be your name, this could be translated, hallowed be Christ. Hallow Christ in your hearts. Now, does that help you in understanding what it means to set apart Christ? Well, maybe not if you don't know what hallow means, if you don't know what it means to sanctify something. What does it mean? Well, it means here to give Christ a special part in your heart that is given to no one else. And you're meant to give him a particular role in your heart. And what is that? As Lord. You're meant to make Christ Lord in your heart. What does it mean to make him Lord? Well, it means that he's boss of your heart. He is the one who is in complete charge of what you do. Your heart has many desires, many things that it wants to do. But if you've set apart Christ as Lord in your heart, it means that he governs them all. When your heart says, I want to do something, and it goes completely against what the Lord of your heart has said, well then the Lord of your heart wins. And you don't do that sinful temptation that you may have had. You don't follow it through because Christ is Lord. Nothing else is Lord in your heart except Christ. Another way that this could, uh, Peter could be getting at here by using the word Lord is Lord is the common translation for the name of God in the Old Testament, Yahweh. And that's what Peter could be getting at here as well. I think he may be going at both. Set apart Christ as Lord as in boss. Set him apart as Jehovah. Set him apart as God in your heart. And that fits well with the word Lord. That's why it's a common translation for God in the Old Testament because who is God? Well, he's the boss. He's the Lord. He's the one who's in charge. And so set apart in your hearts Christ as God. That means that he is your only God. You don't have other gods in your heart. You only give him the place of God in your heart. And how does that then make you eager to do good? Why is that a good reason to do good? Well, if Christ is Lord, is boss of your heart, then that means there's no other bosses in your heart. There are no other gods in your heart telling you what you should do. Christ is God. And that means that you don't have to pay attention to what other people say you should do. You don't have to fear man and the things that they want you to do. You only fear Christ. He is the only Lord in your heart. And so he, what does he want you to do? He wants you to be eager to do good. And so if you are eager to do good, then you have nothing to fear. 
because he has said that you should do that. The only person you should be afraid of is Christ. And if you're doing what Christ wants, well then, it's all thumbs up. There's no problem. You have nothing to be afraid of. And so if you want to be eager to do good, you must set apart Christ as Lord in your heart. You must sanctify Christ. You must say, hallowed be your name. You are the one who is Lord, no one else. And because you are Lord, I don't fear anyone else. So are you an enthusiast to do good? If someone looked at you and your life, would they say, ah, yes, so-and-so, I know them. They're an enthusiast for good. They're someone whose hobby is to do what is right, to do good. Would that be said about you? I think if we're all very honest, we'd admit that few people around us would say that about us, that we're enthusiasts to do good, we are eager to do good in whatever situation we're in. We all fail far too often in being eager to do good. So I want to encourage you, if you admit that you are not eager to do good, remind yourself of reasons, these reasons that Peter has given us here as to why we should be good. When you're thinking of doing something wrong and not being good, remind yourself that you should be good because then no one will harm you. That generally speaking in this life you will be safe and you won't be hurt. And then remind yourself that if you are hurt, you will be blessed. That God will make sure that even though you're suffering, it will pay off in the end. You'll come out on top because God watches what you're doing. And if you're eager to do good, he will make sure that you're blessed. And remind yourself not to do the wrong thing, to do what is right, to do good, because you don't fear, man. It doesn't matter what they come at you with. You're not scared of them. What's the worst that they can do? Kill you. And where do you go when you die? You go straight to heaven. It's no big deal to die, is it? Where's your fear of death if you know that you are safe with God? So be eager to do good. Remind yourself to do good because you don't fear man. And then remind yourself that you are eager. You should be eager to do good because you've set apart Christ as Lord in your heart. He is your God. He is the Lord of your heart. And while you're doing good, you have nothing to fear from those around you. No one else is a God in your heart. And so you should be eager to do good. Let us speak with him now. Let us come before our God. Heavenly Father, we do thank you for your word and how it encourages us to live as you would have us live. We thank you for the instruction here from Peter to be eager to do good. Lord, often we are good by your Holy Spirit's power. We have done the right thing. But it is not described of us very often that we are eager, enthusiastic to do what is right. Lord, we pray that you may help us to be so. May the people of Dremoyne Baptist Church be known as people who are eager to do good toward you and eager to do good to those around them. May we remind ourselves of reasons why we should be eager to do good, that we should be good because no one will harm us 
And even if they do harm us, we are blessed by you. May we also be eager to do good because we are not afraid of man. We do not fear what they can do to us. And may we not do what is wrong. May we be eager to do good because Christ is the Lord of our hearts. May you help us to hallow his name in our hearts day by day. May we continue to have him as Lord of our lives, as Jehovah, as our God, and serve him accordingly by being eager to do good. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.